Um, so we just wrapped up the book of Romans, and uh, we were going to make this a Q&A Sunday, but honestly, I did not get any questions coming about the book of Romans, which means we must have done an unbelievable job teaching it, and all the questions have been answered. So that gives me the, uh, the privilege and opportunity to just do a one-off, where I get to teach what's in my heart. And so uh, immediately what rose in my heart is, uh, probably my favorite theme in the entire Bible, which is friendship with God. I believe that friendship with God is the deepest relationship you can have with God. And it's really my joy to be able to teach on this topic today. I mean, out of all the relationships you have in your, your life, think about them. Um, your work relationships, partnerships, uh, relationships on sports teams, even family relationships. Think about the relationships that mean the most to you. I, I would, I would suspect that the the few people in your life that you can call a true friend, probably the deepest, most joyful relationships you have. Because I believe that friendship, true friendship embodies all of the human attributes that we desire the most. Think about your best friend, or think about a friend from high school or from college. Sometimes you get, uh, as an adult, you get so busy with life and occupation and family life that you really end up, you know, you think about those great friendships you used to have in high school or college, but you really don't have those anymore. Some of you have honed out some friendships. Think about the friendship that you would call, that person is my true friend. I'm going to ask you an open question right now for you to answer back to me. What kind of characteristics would be in that kind of a friendship? Just say it out. Trust, love, loyalty, listener, honesty. What's that? Safety. Unconditionally loving. Patience. Someone that is your true friend is someone that you tell things to that you would not tell anybody else. Why? Vulnerable. You're transparent. You're honest. You see right through me, and I trust you that you're going to love me anyway. I believe this is the kind of relationship that God intended for us from the very beginning. For Him to see right through us and for us to see right through Him. And that's called intimacy, into me see. And I believe that kind of friendship will bring the greatest joy into a follower of Christ's life. In fact, there were only a few people in the entire Bible that God gave the title friend. It's a reserved title. And I believe he wants you to have that title. And I believe that's what he wanted. Now, God is multifaceted. Clearly, he's the holy God that you fall down in his presence and you shudder. I have done that on numerous occasions over the last 30-some years I've been walking with the Lord. But the core and the essence of my relationship with the Lord began with friendship. And that that is the core of my relationship with him. And I want to share with you friendship with God from the word. Because I believe that this is going to, uh, I want to tie 
I want to tie friendship with God into experiencing the presence of God. So often we think the presence of God is, uh, you know, is so awesome and holy and the mountain is shaking and the lightning and the thunder and poof and you're on your face. Let me say that that is rare that that kind of manifestation to God's presence happens in our lives. And I believe that if you allow me to expand your definition of your relationship with God to include the characteristics of a friendship, I, I think that if that can get into your, your definition of your relationship with God, you're going to find His tangible presence more consistent on a daily basis, just like you calling up a friend. Now, this is difficult for us, though, because you can go to a movie with a friend, and you can laugh together, you can cry together, you can sit across the table with a cup of coffee, you can actually hear their audible voice, you can look into their eyes, you can give them a high five. I mean, all the, all the physical senses are activated with a human relationship. Not so with God. So it's a challenge, isn't it? So today I want to talk to you about how to have a friendship with the invisible God. And there's just two primary points I want to strike today. So let's jump in. The first one is this. How do you have a friendship with an invisible God? Number one, we need to learn how to be aware of His presence. Everybody say aware. To be aware of His presence. Dallas Willard says this. We live in a God-bathed world. God is everywhere. He's in everything. Not animism, not where we're worshiping the creation, but everything that is alive, God created it. When we, when we realize that we live in a God-bathed world, our ways of connecting with the presence of God are not so limited. I found that once my definition of the presence of God expanded to the fact that we live in a God-bathed world, I found myself being able to experience God through another person's voice, saved or unsaved. I listened for the voice in the voice. Many times I'm talking to somebody, may not even be walking with God, but God wants to say something to me. You know He can use anybody's voice that He wants to use. Do you know that? At any time and anywhere, he can speak to you through movies, speaks to you through books, secular books and, and, and Christian books. He can speak to us through nature and stillness. He speaks to us in fun. God communicates to us as our Father in Heaven, as our Creator, through multifaceted ways. One day, this is when, this was one of those, you know, you have those spiritual milestones in your life where you met God right there. And you never even have to try to remember it. It has become a part of your, your relationship with God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. That there was, there's these milestones. Here's one of my milestones. And so often, they're so subtle. And yet, a subtle whisper from God literally can stay with you forever. This was one of them. I was, a, I was single. I was about 24 years old, living here in San Diego, and I had a one-bedroom apartment out in East County. I had just moved in, and I was putting my dishes away in the cabinets. In my whole life, I'd had this 
committee in my head, I call it, the committee. And it's those critical voices that criticize every decision you make and everything you do. Anybody ever, has that committee ever visited your brain? There's one truthful person, there's two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, you know Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He, his voice is the voice of accusation and criticism. And if you have grown up with a critical voice and a mother or a father or uh, some authority figure in your life or even brothers and sisters um, that are overly critical, especially if you're a younger brother or sister, uh, and you really, affirmation, man, is the fuel of the soul. I mean, we all are, we're, we, we were born imperfect. We were born in shame, in original sin. And we make mistakes from like the day we're born. And so we grow up with the, the, the acute uh, awareness of our own failures. And so then you have an outside voice coming in, especially a voice of authority that's constantly telling you what you're doing wrong. It just cripples you. And I grew up with an alcoholic uh, father. And he was, uh, he was brilliant, but he was also strong and powerful. He was also incredibly loving. But, you know, we're all a mix, right? We're all a mix of good and bad. We're all a mix of strengths and weaknesses. And our weaknesses are usually our strengths that are pushed too far. So a loyal person doesn't know when to let go of that abusive relationship. Their strength of loyalty has gone too far and it's become a weakness. A person has a strong administrative gift. That's awesome, but then they try to control everybody around them. Try to organize everybody else's world. Right? That's a strength. Pushed too far becomes a weakness. And so I understand it about my, my father. He was very strong, but his strength was pushed too far uh, into areas of weakness. And so th- this is why I bring that up. Because as I was putting these dishes away in my apartment, I had, this voice was in my head saying, that's a, that, that's a stupid place to put the plates. And so I changed it to another cupboard. It's like, who would put the plates there? It's like, you put your cups there, put the plates over there. And, so, and I had this, I mean, I, I had such anxiety, I couldn't even put the dishes away in my own dang apartment. It's, I'm paying for this place, right? But no, there's this voice in my head that's criticizing everything I'm doing. And right in the middle of this, this uh, I don't know what you call it, this, this conflict in my head, the Lord spoke a thought into my mind. And he said, John, would a friend criticize everything you do? And, I mean, I knew that wasn't me because I wouldn't have come up with that thought. See, this is part of being aware of the presence of God. I had to identify that thought, not as my thought, but as God's thought. You see, in a, in a theology and in a church of experiential Christianity, when you read the Bible about God shaking the, the mountains and Jesus raising the dead and the Spirit of God coming into a congregation and the cloud was so strong that people couldn't even move. If that's the only definition we have of encountering God, we are going to rarely encounter God, we think. But see, that's like on the extreme end of the spectrum of experiencing God. And we leave off the graph all these other ways we experience God all the way down. There's just a little thought in your mind as you're putting the dishes away. And he says, would a friend criticize every decision you make? 
And I stopped and I said, no. And he said this to me. I'm the best friend you have. (laughs) That was the moment in my life that I didn't even know that I had equated that critical voice in my head to God. And many of you do the same thing. Because I live on the same planet you do, and we all come from brokenness, and we all live in brokenness, and we have this, we have this broken glass that we look through as we, as we look at God, and we try to define who He is, and then we have these human relationships in between us and God, especially as we're growing up, and it's very difficult to see a clear image of God. That's why it's so important to fall in love with Jesus. Jesus said that He was the exact expression of God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, yes, God can shake a mountain, but He also is the tender shepherd. He's multifaceted. You know, God sees everything you do, and He hears every thought you think, and He hears everything you say. You might think, oh, God, that's bad news. Well, only if we don't understand who He is and His motives. He loves you, loves you, loves you. And He understands our brokenness. He understands why we do the things we do and say the things we say and think the things we think. And it doesn't intimidate Him. I I find it personally disappointing when people make the Holy Spirit so easily offended that if you do the smallest little thing, oh, He left the room. Like, really? Do you really think God is, is the most insecure being in all of the universe that He can't handle our foolishness. I do think we can grieve Him, we can quench Him, we can resist Him, but I think it takes a while. I mean, you read the Old Testament and Israel, you know, Israel jacked God like year after year after year after year after year after year and finally said, all right, okay, all right. I'll just let you have your way. We'll see how that works out. And then He'd let him have their way and then they'd cry out and He'd be right there. And he would restore him. But it, he's just not that easily offended. He's not that sensitive. He can handle your brokenness. And so in that moment, I realized that God was my best friend. And that has changed my walk with him forever. I want you to see this. That one up here on the board. His presence is rarely an overwhelming physical experience, but rather a thought. An illumination of Scripture, stillness, nature, sensing Him in a song, hearing His voice through another. Now, can all of these things not be God? Absolutely. But many times they are God. And when we allow our cynicism and our skepticism to discredit and discount anything that's God because we want it to be true, sometimes our integrity... And our deep desire to make sure it's God before I say that was God caused us to miss so much of Him because He's usually just so subtle. I remember, I'm going to put my wife up onto the Messiah level here for a moment. I remember when uh, hope came into my life and I was fasting and praying. I was wondering, is this, is this, is this you know, God's woman for me? And the thing that was tripping me up was she didn't like descend on the wings of angels, you know, and glow. There wasn't this, like, supernatural, you know, encounter where I saw her from across the room and had goosebumps and 
and I floated over to her, and she floated over to me. You know, there was none of this supernatural stuff. I just met her at a conference. I asked her if she wanted to go out. We went to Denny's, and, and I got cocoa on the end of my nose, and she didn't tell me the entire time we were sitting in the restaurant. And we developed a friendship on the telephone for four months, and then she flew out here just so we could see if there was anything to this. It was so natural and so normal, and I was praying to God and saying, God, this is this just... There was, there was nothing supernatural about this. And you know what he said to me? That's why so many people missed my son. We know this, Jesus. That's Joseph's son, the carpenter. When the Messiah comes, right? Oh yeah, well, at his second coming. Completely missed his first coming. Because it was all so normal and so natural. God created the natural world and He lives in it and He communicates to it through us. So we have to become more aware of God. Now, again, we can over attribute things to God that aren't God, and I totally get that. And I think we need to be careful with our language about, you know. God said, and God spoke, and God said, and God spoke. I think the phraseology, you know, I think this might be the Lord, is a better phraseology because we know in part and we, 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 we speak in part. I, I, like, I like to say there's three kind of levels of knowing God's presence and when God's communicating to us. I call one level, I'm sure it's God. Now, there are times when I'm sure it's God. I don't need you to affirm it. I don't need confirmation. I know what God said to me. Anybody else in this room can say that there are times when 100%, absolutely, no question about it. Then there is the, I'm not sure it's God level, right? And I think that's where probably 90% of our Christianity is. And a lot of times with us spirit-filled charismatic people are constantly slinging around, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. It makes unbelievers and new believers feel very spiritually insecure because it's like, well, God doesn't talk to me like that. It sounds like you got like a cell phone, you just press, you know, you got like an app on your phone, boom, and you and God are like talking like God and Moses. That, that is unrealistic. Most of us are living in the, I'm not sure it's God, it might be. I like what Pastor Wilhite says, one of our spiritual fathers, he says, well, it might be God, so I'm going to obey. <laughs> I like that, because it just might be him. And our cynicism and our skepticism can discredit and disparage what God is doing in somebody else's life. You've got to be very careful. I'd rather err on the side of believing it's God than stand off like this and analyze and criticize and decide whether it's the Lord or not. I'd rather be caught on the side of believing than the side of skepticism. And then the third level is, I'm sure that's not God. And there's plenty of that going on. People putting God's name on things that are biblically refuted. And I don't need to go down an obvious list this morning, although sometimes I have to. The more you get to know God, the more sure you will be of Him. Because you get to know Him like a friend. And when people attribute certain things to people I know, and I know the people that they're saying these things about, I've stood up and said, that's not who they are. I know, I know that person. You're, you, you're misperceiving their motives and their actions. 
the, the thing they texted, that, that's not, they wouldn't admit it that way because I know them. Anybody with me, right? If you know people, then you know how to interpret them accurately and people that don't know them as much. We can do the same thing with God. When you come to know him as a friend, this is the way Moses knew God. It says that God showed his acts to the children of Israel, but his ways to Moses. You see, the children of Israel were only interested in getting their needs met and their dreams fulfilled. And that's where most of us live, if you want to be honest. Most of us just want to have a relationship with God because we, we're needy people. We live in a broken world and we are people of the earth and we have needs to be met. We have desires and dreams to be fulfilled. And man, when you get in a relationship with God and He owns everything, and He's all powerful. It's like, woohoo! Man, I just hit the jackpot. And then, you know, the prayer, Jesus' prayer, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forget all that. Let's just start right here. Give me this day my daily bread. That's pretty much where we start our relationship with God. And it starts and ends there. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give my name is Jimmy. And God is so good that he will do much of that because he's a father. He loves to provide. He'll fulfill dreams that are not outside of his will. He will meet our needs because he's a great God. But you know what I believe God hungers for? Friendship with his creation. That's why it says that the people would go out to the tent of meeting in Moses' day, put a tent outside the camp. People would go meet in the tent and worship God. It says, but when Moses went out there, a cloud would descend on the tent. And it says, God would speak to Moses face to face like a man speaks to his friend. There was a difference in their relationship. And we find clues to this, like when God says, I'll send my angel with you and take you up to the promised land and make all your wildest dreams come true, but I'm not going. And Moses says, if you're not going, I'm not going. I'd rather live in a desert with God than in the promised land without God. You see, you read, you read through the story of Moses or through the story of Abraham, where it says that Abraham was called the friend of God. Or Jesus' disciples, that he said, I no longer call you servants, which means there's a servant level. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. For there's nothing my Father hasn't said to me I have not told you. Vulnerability, transparency. There's a great scripture in the Bible I want you to look at with me. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Look at this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, though we may do all the words of this law. Who does God reveal his secret things to? His friends. Now, I'm not just making this up. This is real. You and I can experience as much of God as we truly want. Someone asked me this week if, if we can move God, I believe we can move God. I believe in his, in his sovereignty, He has designed it so that we can move Him. Think about this scripture. Draw near to God, and then He will draw near to you. So who moved God in that moment? When you take a step toward God, He takes a huge step toward you. 
Now, he set it up that way, so he's still in control. And he's the one that made the first move anyway because the desire to take a step toward God came from God. Right? So, but the thing is that he's put, uh, for everyone who's come to his son, he's put his spirit in us. And we can ignore that relationship. We can ignore the movement of the spirit. Or we can step into it and you move toward God and God moves toward you. And then he begins to speak things to you and reveal things to you and show you things he's not showing those who really don't want to know. Did you know God loves to play hide and seek? He loves to play hide and seek. I used to play this with my kids when they were younger, right? And here's the thing about God. God loves to play hide and seek, but he loves to be found. I'm going to show you scripture before I tell you this story. Look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. So, in other words, God loves to hide things from us, but he hides them in such a way we can find them. And not everybody has to play the game hide and seek with God. But I used to play this with my kids. And what I would do is we'd play hide and seek. They'd count to 15. I'd go hide. And then I would stand behind my, my bedroom door or something, right? And, of course, they're running around. They, they're not going to find me. And so I'd make little bird calls. Going, burr, 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 burr. I don't know what kind of bird that is, but it's some kind of a sound. And then they go, you know, where are you, Daddy? Where are you, Daddy? And they still can't find me. So then I would kind of like stick my foot out a little bit from the door. So when they run by, they could see my toe, you know. Like, there he is, there he is. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he found me, right? That's what God does with us. He's the invisible God, but for those who truly want to draw near to him, he begins to stick his foot out a little bit so you can see it. Some don't really care about knowing God as friend. And I understand that because we are, you know, basically self-centered creatures. We just want what we want. But I'm telling you, let me ask you this. For those of you who have been walking the Lord with the Lord for quite a while now, how's your satisfaction level? How's your, how's your joy level? How's the level of contentment in your soul? That just ruined my entire sermon, that moment right there. I, I, I didn't want to draw attention to it because, I'm kidding. The Holy Spirit is not that sensitive, neither am I. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I want, I want, to, I want you to consider that your contentment level, your joy level, your satisfaction level is directly connected to your friendship with God. He could change everything like that. I think he's more interested in intimacy in the journey and walking together than he is with just meeting all of our needs instantaneously. Here's a question, and I, I, it's a sincere question. I want you to think about it and then answer it for yourself. Why did God create you?
want you to think about that for a moment. I'm going to ask you again, okay? I really want you to think about this. Why do you think God created you? I think that question right there is the core question that we all need to camp on and think about and journal about and pray about and ask God about. Because I think that that answer to that question, if you're honest with your answer, not just giving Christianese to God and giving the right scriptural answer, but really answering that question, I think you're going to find out what's going on in your relationship with the Lord. Because I really don't think God needed us for to serve Him or to work for Him first and foremost. I think you've created us to have a friendship and to walk together in the cool of the day like He and Adam were before Adam fell into sin. And so this is the second thing I want to say about developing a friendship with God. <clears throat> the first one was for us to be more aware of his presence, seeing Him in so many different things. Secondly is this, knowing that God responds to friendship. How many of you ever had a one-way friendship? You know what I mean by that, the one-way friendship? <laughs> you always are the one making the phone call. You're always the one that's making a, a play date. You're always the one that is sending the email. You're always the one picking the person up to carpool. You're always the one initiating. Anybody ever had a relationship like that? Just raise your hand. Just be honest about it, right? Does that stink? Right? What's it, what's it make you feel like? You just feel used. Right. And like Mark said, you know, we married God for His money. And, you know, that's true. We came to Him because we were needy for salvation. But at one point we need to grow up beyond that. And realize that we are to be about the Father's business. And beyond that, that we are about to be, uh, have a friendship with God and be intimate with God. You get to that point and that place and then all this other stuff is a result of that friendship. And so how do we do this? Well, we begin to make overtures of friendship toward God. We were doing this last night. Last night we had a wonderful worship session. Josh called the... Uh, worship team together just to worship God. And Isabel and I went down and it was so great because when we tried to start to move into intercession, the Holy Spirit said, stop, no. And we had to back up and go back into just being there alone with God just to tell Him how much we love Him. This is something you may not realize, but I want to present this to you for food for thought. I believe that God cares as much about our presence as we do about His presence. I believe God loves our presence. You see, you know, right now somebody's going... But think about, think about... Okay, a more... Everybody look over there at Amor. Amor is the gentleman sitting on the row with that pumpkin butt in his, on his shoulder. That scrumptious little package of love and cuddleness. 
Okay, now we are all aware that that little beautiful, snuggly human being is experiencing heaven on earth right now, right? On daddy's shoulder. Lights out, man. I mean, look at the peak. That is how we are to be when we're in the presence of God. Completely relaxed and completely at peace. But let me me ask you a question. How many of you do you think Amor is hating that? Not a one. How many of you think he is just drinking that in? He is drinking it in. And do it, because let me tell you something. When they're 18, they won't be doing that. Because first of all, that would just be weird. <clears throat> Second of all, they won't want to do it. So just suck it up, man. I mean, get that. Okay, this is what happens with us and the Father. We come to Him at salvation, and we are just all about Him. We want to be in His presence. He loves our presence, but then we get busy. And we've got to, we have got to protect our friendship with God. I want to uh, bring this to a close quickly, but I want to show you a couple things uh, very briefly. Making overtures toward our friendship with God, not just Him showing us He's our friend, He's already proven that, but us extending friendship to God. If you go with me to the book of Luke. You know what I think I'm going to do? I think we'll hit the second point next week. Yeah. Yeah, come on up. This this definition of our relationship with God is unfortunately kind of foreign to our our spiritual definition of our relationship with God. And I don't want to rush through this because this is one of my bailiwicks this is this is where i find my joy and i want it to be where you find your joy not working for god not serving god but walking with him as a friend walks with a friend and so i just want to uh i just want to save the rest of this next week because i think there's been plenty to chew on this morning mark thanks um I was really deeply struck by the beginning of your sermon talking about the subtle ways that that God yeah. interacts with us yeah. and the subtle ways that we end up obeying him. And uh, this brought to mind a conversation that I had with the Lord two nights ago uh, on the way back from the community spa and walking down the street towards my house. And the backstory is that about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I thought I heard the Lord say, you are going to have a, a great increase in your influence. And not just over individuals, but over churches, which is a heck of a thing. It's a big, big promise. Well, there hasn't been any evidence of it. So I'm walking back from the pool, and uh, I said, I don't know what to think. Um, I, I'm very content. I love my life the way it is now. I'd carry on until I die doing what I'm doing now. But when someone makes you promises, your expectation rises. Right. And you're tempted towards dissatisfaction in the present moment. Like, where's the promise? Why hasn't this happened? And did Mm -hmm. I hear wrong? And you go through all that stuff. So I was walking along and I said, you know, I I don't 
I don't see any evidence of an increase in influence. And he said, um, he, he repeated what he said a year ago. He said, you're far more influential than you think. And okay, I said. Now when he said that, what do you mean he said that? What, well, no, no, it's a conversation in my head. Okay. It's thoughts. But I'm so used to those, and so many times it's been him, that I pretty much assume that it's him when it's this kind of conversation. So you come to a place where you're identifying God thoughts. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know how to live otherwise. That's why this whole thing was such a threat to me, because when he made these promises and there's no evidence, I thought, I'm not hearing God correctly. I actually thought, John, if, I, if everything I've been wondering over the last 30 years and this voice I'm listening to, and I'm wrong about this, there's nothing left for me in this faith. Hmm. All I have is his friendship. That's it. I don't have anything else. <laughs> I don't. So it's been hard because, you know, did I really hear his voice? If I can't hear his voice well, what am I anymore? Just a legalist that obeys rules. I can't live like that. Hmm. I was saved from that. Yes, sir. So here's the point, though. So I said, I, I, don't, I don't see the evidence of this. And he said, you're far more influential than you think. And I said, I don't see the evidence of this. And this is what he said that really rocked my world. He said, all the things that you, that, that all the things that I see as influential in your life, you have forgotten all of them. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they're not the big things. Oh, wow. They're the little things. He said, like, the way you treat your neighbors when you're kind to them, the person that you go out of your way for, the way you treat your wife. He said, you've forgotten all of those things because they're not important to you. You consider them nothing. He said, those are the things that are influential in your life. And it straightened me out, you know, like, they're the things that really matter. Mm. The rest of it's not that important. Mm. And I think we hear them day in and day out to do these little subtle loving things. But they're not big and spectacular. They're not supernatural. So we ignore them and we miss them. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So next week, thank you, Mark. The fact that you have now, what I know about Mark is for the last 150 years, he he sits in a chair for an hour a day and just communes with God, listens to him, journals. So he's practiced God's presence. So then he can take that with him into the business of life and still feel and sense his presence. This is what Moses did when you see in the tent. He would go out to the tent. The cloud would come down. God would speak to him face to face. And then there's this little phrase I love. And it says, and then he would go back into the camp. You see, we can't get so super spiritual with no earthly good. He would experience God's presence and friendship face to face. Then he would walk back into the camp and have to lead all these people. 
but he carried the presence with him. And so for you to be able to, this is the awareness of God, which is point number one, how do I develop this friendship with an invisible God? Point number one is that we must learn to become more aware of his presence. See, because Mark has honed his skill at being able to identify God thoughts, you see how rocked he is right now? And the peace that has come into his soul and the faith he has for the future and God's promises. It didn't come because he was in a meeting and someone lays hands on him and he fell out under the power of God and shaked and quaked. That's happened to me and it's been awesome. But man, those are rare. I can count like three or four times in 30 years that's happened. And so if that's our only definition, we're, we're, we're really robbing ourselves of friendship with God and these encounters. So. So I'm going to pray for us that this week our ears would open. That our eyes would be like big bug eyes looking for God. And that the Lord would increase our ability to identify Him as He's working in and through the lives of those around us. I want to pray against the religiosity and some of you that are really bound in religion is the definition of a relationship with the Lord. And you live in shame and a sense of failure all the time when it comes to your walk with God. Let me ask you the question he asked me. Would a friend be criticizing you and shaming you every day? The answer is no, by the way, in case you're wondering. (laughs) All right, let's come to the Lord with this. Lord, I pray for this precious people. Lord, I pray that this message slammed into walls of shame and erroneous religious definitions of what it means to have a relationship with you. God, I pray this week for your people and for myself that we would learn how to have a life-giving friendship with you. Make us more aware of your presence this week, Father, so our joy level can go up, our contentment level can grow deeper. And we cannot be afraid of you. So I walk with you in the cool of the day, just like Adam did. I'm going to take an educated guess and and uh, believe that you're about to queue up. Make us more aware of your presence. Would that be right? Look how good I am. All right. Why don't we just all stand for just a moment and let's just let's sing this to Him as a response. And this is my second point. We'll talk about next week is us responding to God's friendship with friendship and what that can look like. But let's let's just sing and then I'll pray. The prayer teams will come down and pray for you, and then we'll be done this morning. Thank you for letting me share the word with you today.
Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. Cause I've tasted and seen the sweetest of love. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, there's nothing worth more, there's nothing worth more could ever come close nothing can compare to our living hope your presence Lord come on let's sing it out I've tasted and seen cause I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, oh, your presence, Lord, we're singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, comfort this place and fill the your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, in your presence, Lord, let us become, let us become more experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Yes, Lord, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Fill us, Lord. Oh, glory. God is what our hearts long for to be over. 
your assignment this week. We prayed about us becoming more aware of his presence and recognizing him in multifaceted of the ways he's trying to communicate with you as a capital F friend to you. But I want to give you an assignment this week. And that is to not help distance people from God by being a critical voice in their life rather be the affirming voice. Agree with God and what He is saying over people's lives because everybody needs encouragement. Be that encouraging voice for those around you. That communicates God, not the critical voice, not the shaming voice. Be the affirming voice. Let's be God's mouthpiece in the earth to a crippled, suffering human race. And let's lift people up and draw them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to invite the prayer teams down front and to this pony wall. If you have sickness in body, disease in your body, you need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit upon you, you need help hearing the voice of God, maybe God will give you a prophetic word through one of these prayer teams. These prayer teams are ready to release miracles. So need one, come down and let's see if you get one. You won't get one you walk out the doors if you have a need. You come down this way and let these power encounters serve you this morning. So God bless you everybody. Go to a connect group this week.